0: Welcome to Common Ground Church Rondebosch, a community based in Cape Town, South Africa, who believe that if Jesus is who he says he is, that changes everything. Our sermon podcast aims to unpack this reality, rooted in scripture and dependent on God's spirit. Malawian theologian Isabel Piri describes the book of Ruth as encountering a God who is concerned about the everyday occurrences of ordinary people. Ruth is a remarkable Old Testament book exploring God's sovereignty in his overarching plan for redemption, as well as his ability to be wholly engaged in people's daily trials and struggles. Please continue listening to our next installment of Ruth, a story of redemption. Okay, I'm reading from Ruth chapter 3, quite a long scripture, so all ears. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young woman you were with? See, he is winnowing barley tonight in the threshing floor. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this lost kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down. Until the morning. So she lay down at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it. And he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother in law, she said, "'How did you fare, my daughter?' Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, "'These six measures of barley he gave to me, "'for he said to me, "'You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law.' She replied, "'Wait, my daughter, "'until you learn how the matter turns out, "'for the man will not rest, "'but will settle the matter today.'" This is the word of the Lord.
1: Guys, it's good to be with you this morning, continuing our Ruth series. Um, I just want to point out our Ruth devotional and just admit that we maybe gave some ambiguous communication around this devotional. Um, a few weeks ago, we said, hey, I think we said a number, 40 round or something. You have to buy it. No, it's our gift to you. And if you want to give a 40 round uh, donation, you can. And so that kind of miscommunication maybe made you hesitant to take one. There are a bunch at the back that you can grab. And as I said, our gift but if you want to donate, very different story, you can. Um, and they cost us about 40 rands. So, um, and then also, just a suggestion, grab some. We've still got this week and two more weeks in Ruth. So if you haven't joined us or started, there's actually enough weeks to catch up. You'll just go a week later. So grab one, grab one, give it to a friend. Um, they really are available. Great. Um, I'm gonna throw it down there because it will distract me. Okay, and then just, we are in week four of Ruth and it's been an amazing journey in this book of Ruth and we've got two more weeks left and it's just been a great story seeing how God in His sovereignty is working in the lives of ordinary people as they live out their ordinary lives and experience ordinary things. It's been a, a beautiful display of this kind of tapestry of God's purposes and plans being worked out in that dance between His sovereignty and human responsibility. Those two great truths of the Scriptures, human responsibility, God's sovereignty. And what's lovely about seeing it in this narrative story is we see how it plays together the sovereignty of God and human responsibility. And as we've watched this dance take place, we've seen bad choices lead lead to absolute devastation. We've seen Ruth show incredible kindness and covenantal love and faithfulness to Naomi at great cost to herself. We've seen the, the bitterness and the anguish of, of human suffering. And we've seen how in the scenes behind that anguish, bitterness of human suffering, God was at work. And we as the reader could see the timing of God and Naomi arriving at the barley harvest, even though she herself could not see that God had her and was working behind the scenes. And we've seen Boaz live out the, the kindness of God. And as Ryan said to us last week, it's, it's a word in Hebrew, Hasid that is so much richer than maybe the English word kindness. And he's living out the very heart of God and the kind of kindness that he shows to his people. And now we turn to today's text and the part of the story. And as we do, I've come to realise that we're at that time of year where if you go up to anyone and you say, how are you doing? They pretty much go, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Yeah, the 8.30 also resonated, but that's right because they were up at 8.30. And... um, but so tired, and it's this reality that we know that Christmas is coming, December is coming, and rest is just around the corner. If you're not going to get rest in December, I'm so sorry, the majority of us will. Hopefully you get rest somewhere. But there's a sense in which the, the kind of longer summer days, the brides, the friends, the family, the kind of change of pace, which is just so nice, that allows us to kind of be honest. Whew, yeah, I'm a bit tired after this, year just the anticipation of a finish line. And there's something of the promise of rest that allows us to be honest about how we're doing. And for students, it's a great time of year as well because so for so many of you, you'll go home to home-cooked meals and washing machines and maybe like Ruth, a bit of summer romance. <laughs> but in the great words of the psalmist, don't be stupid. And in many ways, this point in the narrative that we get to in the book of Ruth is a turning point in the story of Ruth where for the very first time, we see Ruth and Naomi have the potential of rest. And the rest that we're gonna get to today is so much deeper than just the rest of a Christmas holiday. And as we look at the rest that Naomi and Ruth are offered, we're gonna see the very heart of God. We're gonna get a window into the heart of God when it comes to the tired, to the restless, to the vulnerable, to the downcast, to the outsider and to sinners. And I think we're gonna be surprised, so pleasantly surprised and find ourselves marvelling at the heart of God towards the restless. And actually these themes, they go so much deeper than The rest that any holiday or school holiday or time of year can offer us. They go down to the the depths of our soul and the rest that we're longing for there. And so as we look at the story, we're going to look at how Ruth and Naomi seek rest in redemption. They seek rest in a worthy redeemer. They seek rest in a willing redeemer. And that ultimately they're seeking rest in God's redemption. I'm gonna pray, and we're gonna dive in. So Father God, I pray that as we come to you this morning, your words, as we gather as your people, that, and we know that your spirit dwells amongst us and in us, that you would speak loudly and clearly. God, your message uniquely this morning wants to speak to the restless and the tired. It also wants to speak to those who feel like they don't belong. And so Father, whoever is in this room feeling restless and tired, that there's a a tiredness that goes deeper than just a holiday is gonna satisfy. Or for those in the room who feel like they don't belong, God, you have a heart for them because they have come to a message that will speak to them in this moment. And so Father, I pray for the tired and the vulnerable. I pray for those who need rest. I pray for for us as a community, God, that you would speak loudly and clearly this morning. Father, would we be a rested people in you and would you, would you change the state of our hearts because of your words, where we've been full of anxiety and fear. God, would you drive that out with your loving kindness this morning. And would we leave more joyful and in greater levels of peace because we've encountered the living God. Amen. Amen. Okay, seeking rest in redemption. So we are about six to eight weeks after where we left off last week. So you might think, hey, Day one, Boaz is really kind to Ruth. And then day two, this moment happens. It's actually about six to eight weeks. It seems to be later on in the barley harvest. And so Ruth has been living in the chesed, the kindness of Boaz for a few weeks now, being able to glean in his field. And what is happening is that this kindness of Boaz being shown towards Ruth is starting to thaw the heart of Naomi. That kind of bitter bitter pain that she expresses in chapter two, the beginning of chapter two is starting to thaw and it's starting to be replaced with hope. And it is the kindness of Boaz that is having a profound impact on the heart of Naomi. It's giving her, and we see that hope is rising up in the heart of Naomi as we turn to today's text because she's able to now suddenly lift her head up and have hope for a future. And it's amazing. I use those words, the unconditional kindness of Boaz intentionally that Bose's kindness is an unconditional kindness. I think as people, we're all kind of used to conditional kindness. We, we probably most of the time ourselves operate in a kind of space of, this person deserves my kindness. And our kindness is in proportion to what people deserve. But actually, if you look at the story of Ruth and Boaz, it's a different kind of kindness. It's an unconditional kindness. And that Boaz, when he first met Ruth, could have said this who, this, who is this woman in my field? And when they answered, she is the daughter of Naomi. He could have gone, oh, Naomi, that married to that guy who left us in the time of famine stopped trusting in God, ran off to a different people and a different God and put their faith in a different God in a different place. And now they're crawling back after experiencing devastation when God has been faithful to his people. And this, this Ruth person is a Moabite woman. And he could have justified, you know what? Ruth, you can glean in my field today, and then like the law says, move on to another field. And he probably would have felt justified, and probably would have felt, hey, I'm being pretty kind, because these people really don't deserve anything, but yet I will let them glean for a bit. But he goes way beyond that in his kindness towards Ruth. It's as if he doesn't see any of those things about Ruth and Naomi and their family and the reason for that is because he is putting on display, like we heard last week, the kindness of God. And when I say unconditional kindness, it is an unconditional kindness because it is not based on the other person's performance, reputation, or story. It's actually based on Boaz's character and nature. He is showing the kindness that comes from just who he is, because he is showing the kindness of God, which is birthed out of just who he is. When God displays kindness, it is almost always undeserved. And it is not based on the performance, the story, and the reputation of the people he's been kind towards. He has been kind because it's in his very nature and character to be kind. And Boaz is representing something of this. And it is this kind of kindness that is having a profound impact on Naomi. There's this book. I think it's a lovely book. It's called The Boy, the Fox, the Mole, and the Horse. You may have heard of it, you may not. The way I describe it, it's kind of like Winnie the Pooh for adults. And um, it's really lovely. And like Winnie the Pooh, it actually has incredible insights into life and and kind of the mistakes that we make as humans. And there's this lovely moment in the book where or little thing in the book where the mole looks up to the boy and says, what do you wanna be when you grow up? The boy sits there for a while thinking and then he looks down at the mole and he says, kind. And it's such a lovely insight. When we ask that question, it's so often what I wanna achieve, what I wanna do, what I wanna make of my life. And there's this inherent sense of which, no, actually it's more about who I am and how I am to others. That's unconditional kindness. When it's who you are, not based on what, who other people are. And Boaz lives in that out of a response to God's kindness towards us. And this this is having a profound impact on Naomi. Like I said, in verse one, we read, then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? And it's amazing for the very first time, Naomi is able to look out of her own bitterness and her own pain, look out to the future and hope for rest. And the rest that Naomi is hoping for goes so much deeper than just the hope that their kind of bad circumstances, pain, vulnerability will be turned around. The rest that Naomi is seeking for Ruth is a rest where I say, I want you to have a future. I want you to have a future. And you see in in, in the translation, we lose it a bit. When, When Naomi is speaking of rest, she's actually saying, I want you to belong to a family. Because in a culture and a time where, where, where your kind of space of rest was a household, and then in a the household, you were part of a clan, and then those clans were, were put together to ultimately make up a nation. And it is in the space of a household that you found safety, security, identity, a sense of belonging and acceptance. And it's in the place of a household that you would have a future, and a hope and an inheritance. And so the, the rest that Naomi is now having a hope for and lifting her head up is for a future for Ruth where she will belong to a household and therefore a clan and therefore the people of God and that she would have a hope and an identity and a place of belonging and security, which is actually the deepest cry of every human soul. When we talk about rest, when, when Ruth is talking, when Naomi is talking about rest, she's not talking about a Christmas holiday. She's talking about the deepest fundamental need of every soul, that we would have a place that we are known and loved, where we belong. That we know who we are, there is an identity, and that we feel safe and secure, that there are people fighting for us, not just against us, and that we have a hope in a future and an inheritance. And Naomi knows that all of that comes from being a part of a household and the hope of children in this society. And this is why what Ruth did is so phenomenal. Because when Ruth chose covenantal love and kindness for Naomi, she was actually letting go of all those things. Because Ruth had a father and a mother, Ruth had a household, Ruth had a clan, Ruth had a people. And she said no to all of that, to choose covenantal love and faithfulness to Naomi. And so her love and faithfulness and kindness towards Naomi came at a great cost. But it wasn't just that she said no to what she already had. She was going to a place where she may never get it. Because you see, as a mobile woman, someone's phone's talking to us. Um, Either that or God's speaking to me and I'm not hearing. Okay, (laughs) okay. Just a phone call, thank you. Um, And that she didn't just say no to, to what she already had. She was going to a place where she might not have it because you see, what Naomi would arrive in Israel as an outsider, she would arrive as a foreigner and she would arrive as a widow to Israel where the men would have had a propensity and a sense of obligation to marry their own. So there'd be very little opportunity for Ruth. And then on top of that, we read in Numbers that the Israelite men in a great rebellion against God moved into Moab and had sexual relationships with Moabite women as an act of worship to their God in rebellion to the God of Israel. And so there was this incredible stigma over Moab in general and especially Moabite women. So Ruth would have walked into Israel, a widow, a foreigner, an outcast and with a massive kind of shame over her, simply because she was a Moabite woman. Every interaction would have been a backfooted interaction of people looking at her and going, you're not a worthy woman, you're a Moabite. And so given the context of this, for Naomi to actually lift her head and say, I have hope for our future, shows the incredible power that the kindness of Boaz has had on her heart. And there's this lovely moment where Naomi goes, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? It's the first time that Naomi's able to look out of her bitterness and her pain and loss and see that she's actually gained something. She's gained this incredible woman as a daughter, Ruth, who has shown her radical covenantal love and faithfulness. And kindness and she can finally see that it's not just Boaz's chesed towards Ruth and her but it is also Ruth's chesed towards her and it is this radical unconditional kindness that is starting to displace the bitterness of pain and loss in her heart and give her hope for the future that's the power of of unconditional kindness of God in a person's life. But the question still remains, how would Naomi find rest for Ruth given all this context? Well, we're missing a bit of a piece of the puzzle because Naomi knew that she could also seek rest in a worthy redeemer. You see, the, the piece of the puzzle we're missing is that uh, Naomi's hope is for, for Ruth's future is not just in the fact that Boaz has been so kind to them, It is also that Boaz is a worthy redeemer. And this concept of a redeemer, we saw back in chapter two in Ruth 2.20, and Naomi says this, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And now in verse two of chapter three is Boaz our redeemer. Relative, and what Ruth is referring, what Naomi is referring to, is this idea of a kinsman redeemer, which was written into Jewish law or the Torah, that a kinsman redeemer, who was a family member, was obliged to buy back any of his relatives if they fell into debt and had to sell themselves into slavery. So people could get themselves into so much trouble financially that they would have to sell their land. And without their land, they'd have no means of income. And without that, they would literally have to sell themselves into servitude, which was this type of slavery back then where they would work out their debt to the person they were indebted to. And then we see also in Leviticus, I mean, in Deuteronomy 25, that under certain circumstances, a kinsman redeemer was obliged to marry the widow of his brother. And raise up children for a brother who had died childless. And the reason for this was to secure that family, to make sure that that family continued to have a place of belonging, that that family continued to have a place amongst the people of God, and that family continued to have a place of security and safety and an inheritance in the people of God. And so written into this law, written into the very ways of the people of God, is this idea of redemption, of a redeemer. And I find that actually incredible. It's incredible that in a society and a time and a people where one sense of belonging, identity, safety, and future was so tied up in your family and your household, that there would be something written into the law that would help people who had find themselves through either misfortune or bad decisions, cast out and no longer belonging, that there would be a, a, a kind of thing written into the law that says, no, we must bring them back to the place that they belong. Doesn't matter how they got there. And it is this thing written into the very law and ways of the people of God that shows us the heart of God that he would write in that, they, that for, the, for, the, for the strong, for the able, for the capable, for those who have some power, they were meant to leverage that power to atone for, rescue, and redeem those who, whether through sin, whether through bad choices or misfortune, had found themselves cast out from where they belong. And that the strong and the powerful were used, meant to use, leverage that and use that to redeem the weak, the vulnerable, and sinners amongst them back into belonging, back into identity, back into a future. And we see the heart of God for the vulnerable, the downcast, the outsider, and the sinners. It's an incredibly unique concept in that time. In that time, if you were downcast, made bad choices, and found yourself on hard times, people are like, that's judgment, you're weak, sorry. Sorry. Even if that means servitude for the rest of your life, you probably deserve it or it's God's judgment on you. But here in the people of God, written into their very ways, is this idea of redemption, this idea of rescue. And it would come at a great cost to the Redeemer. If you're here looking in to the claims of faith, And maybe what drove you into the room this morning, or maybe you've been journeying with us for a while, is an acknowledgement that there is a deep restlessness in your soul. That you are trying to satisfy a restlessness in your soul and it hurts and you are tired. What I would say to you is you've come to an amazing place. Because what we see here is that God not only has a solution to your restlessness, He has a heart towards you and he wants to bring you rest. And as a relative, Boaz fell into this realm of being a family redeemer. And we know that there were other redeemers. Boaz says it himself, but Boaz stood out as a worthy redeemer. Yes, legally he was related to Naomi. He was a man of character that clearly walked in the ways of God and had the heart of God. And he was a man who also showed incredible kindness towards Ruth and Naomi. The question was not, is Boaz a worthy redeemer? The question actually is, is he a willing redeemer? He's proven himself worthy, but is he willing? There are other options, other redeemers out there. Is he a willing redeemer? And this is why Naomi comes up with this elaborate plan. the, The plan of Naomi is to try and figure out the answer to that question. Is Boaz willing? Does he want to redeem Ruth? And so Naomi comes up with this plan on the threshing floor and says, wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Okay. the Hebrew is as ambiguous as the English. What is Naomi going on about? Get dressed up, go and lie at his feet and do whatever he tells you to do. I mean, that that does not sound like sound advice. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Midnight meetings on the the threshing floor. (laughs) On the threshing floor. (laughs) It could be a song title. Um, and the author to Hebrews is leaving it ambiguous on purpose. And you think it's spicy for us. Can you imagine a Hebrews culture? This is spicy. They're like, what is Naomi going on about? What is she up to? In fact, though, I think probably because of our oversexualized culture, we don't actually see the ambiguity It's probably a lot less subtle to us. We probably think it's skewed that way. As for a Hebrew culture, they would have gone, no, no ways is she saying that. Can't be that. What's going on here? But for us, we're pretty much on the other side going, it's definitely that. Um, And we know what he's gonna tell her to do. But the ambiguity is important. And the author leaves us wondering, is like, Naomi, what are you going on about? Is this just a forward marriage proposal? Is this a moment where you are suggesting seduction? What are you doing here? Are you just simply trying to answer the question, is Boaz a willing redeemer? And we're left wondering intentionally by the author and we'll see why now. And so Ruth does this. She goes to the threshing floor to to seek rest in a willing redeemer, to see if Boaz is willing And we read this, and so Ruth listens to Naomi's instruction and heads to the threshing floor. And um, he says this, at midnight the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. So it becomes absolutely clear that this idea of going to the threshing floor and uncovering a man's feet and lying there is not normal practice. It's not normal practice. This is not like Old Testament dating advice for Christians in the 21st century. If someone crawls up into your bed and lies at your feet in the middle of the night, please call the police. It's like, it's not normal. And Bo is is rightfully startled. He's like, what is going on here? What is happening? And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. And again, (laughs) we're like, Spread your wings over me, for you are a redeemer. We're like like husbands, do not go home and think that's the way you initiate tonight. I am your redeemer. Just know, it's it's not not what we're being taught here. Didn't help that Ryan last week told everyone that Ruth was naked in this moment. She's not naked. He was just trying to spice things up. Um, It was a good trailer, he says. No, what's actually happening here is is not inappropriate. And what's beautiful is what we see is that Naomi's going, no, we need to know if Boaz is a willing redeemer. We don't have time to waste. (laughs) We just gotta get you alone with the dude. This is how we're gonna do it. And actually in many ways, we see that Naomi trusted the integrity of Ruth and Boaz. Because in this moment, Ruth is anything but inappropriate. She shows incredible integrity. And when she says, spread your wings over me, it is a deep and vulnerable cry. Boaz, will you be my protector? Will you be my redeemer? It, it echoes with the words of Jesus as he stands over Jerusalem and says, I love you, Jerusalem. How many times have I tried to gather you under my wings like a mother hen, where you would receive my protection? my redemption. Or as the psalmist writes in Psalm 91, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and fortified wall. That is what Ruth is doing here. It is an incredibly bold, courageous and vulnerable and authentic plea. Boaz, will you redeem us? Will you rescue us? And it's an incredibly important question because like I said, there's this obligation on a kinsman redeemer, but the reality is Boaz is not actually a kinsman redeemer. He is a a distant redeemer. That's why Boaz says later, there's actually one who's closer to you. He has first opportunity to redeem you. And actually Boaz is not the brother of Naomi's husband. And so there is no obligation on Boaz to redeem this family. And on top of that, the law doesn't address what they would have considered a woman marrying into a family illegally and illegitimately. And so there are actually many loopholes that Boaz could walk through and say, against the law, I'm actually not obliged to do this. And so there is actually no obligation on Boaz whatsoever to say yes to this which is why the question, are you willing, is so important. Ruth's appeal to him is, you are a family member of Naomi. This will cost you. Will you act to rescue us and redeem us? Are you willing? She would have nervously waited for his response kind of like that. And I'd understand her nervousness, like which way is this gonna go? It's like every single time I put food before my kids at dinner time. are they going to eat this or are they gonna fight about this? It's the moment of greatest anxiety in my life every single day. Is this gonna be a moment of celebration or discipline? What's happening here? And there's this moment where Ruth has put herself out there. Is he gonna say yes? Is he gonna be willing? And he said in verse 10, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And so his response is amazing. First and foremost, we see that nothing inappropriate happened he responds to her in the completely honoring and appropriate language of an older man to a younger woman, my daughter. And he honors her. He says, you are a worthy woman. Do not fear. And it's these beautiful words that must have landed like balm on the soul of Ruth's heart because she has probably known nothing but fear from the moment of the tragedy of Moab to now, wondering what is my future gonna be? And his words are profound, because what redemption does is it drives away fear. And the way that redemption drives away fear is it says, do not fear, you belong. Do not fear, you have a name and an identity. You are safe here. You have a future and an inheritance. Do not fear. And he says, today you have found redemption. And yes, there's some nuance. Will it be Boaz or will it be the closer redeemer? We'll have to find that out next week. But what he does do is he shows shows Ruth even more chesed, more kindness and gives her barley to take home to Naomi. And he indicates his desire to be her redeemer by providing for her. I will be a place where you will experience love, care, provision, safety, identity, and God willing children and a future. And in this moment, Ruth finds herself with a home amongst the people of God. That's the power of redemption. A Moabite woman, an outsider, a foreigner, welcomed in. And now is a place amongst the people of God. It's amazing that this Moabite woman who would have come with so much scandal just walking into Israel is now seen by all as a worthy woman as they've seen her covenantal love and loyalty towards Naomi at great cost to herself, her integrity with Boaz and her incredible courage, vulnerability and boldness in seeking rest in all the right places. Now, the question is, like last week, Ruth has found redemption. Naomi has found redemption. But who has redeemed her? Who is it? Is it Boaz? Is Boaz the one who redeemed Ruth and Naomi? And I would say yes, but we can't stop there because ultimately when Naomi and Ruth were seeking redemption, they were seeking redemption in God. They were seeking God's redemption. This story, as I've said, is a masterfully told story that leaves us questioning and and kind of leaves ambiguity around who is it that's at work in this story? Is it Boaz or is it God? And we saw that so powerfully in Ruth 2.20 when Naomi says these words, this was last week, he says, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And there's ambiguity in the English and there's even more ambiguity in the Hebrew and it's intentional and it's blunt and it's obvious that the author is saying, is asking the question, whose kindness was kind towards the living and the dead? Was it Boaz or was it God? Whose kindness was it? And the answer is both. Ryan touched on this last week, spoke this last week, that it was both the kindness of Boaz, but ultimately it was the kindness of God. As Boaz aligned his heart and his ways to the heart and the ways of God, the redemption or, or kindness flows from God through Boaz to Ruth. And the exact same ambiguity is all the way through this text on redemption. And we're left asking the question, who is it that redeemed Ruth and Boaz? And I mean, Ruth and Naomi and the The answer is both God and Boaz, but we know from the story that God is sovereignly in control. And long before redemption was in the heart of Boaz for Ruth, redemption was in the heart of God for Ruth and Naomi. I would put it to you that the moment that Naomi and her husband made the choice to flee Israel, there was still a heart for redemption in the heart of God for them. He always knew the purposes and the plans that he had for that family. And they were phenomenal purposes and plans that he had for that family. And we see not only is, God's, is there a heart for redemption in the heart of God by the very fact that he introduces that into the very law and ways of his people, but we also see it in the story of Ruth, that redemption for people would go beyond the people of God. That redemption, God's heart for redemption wasn't just reserved for His own, but we see in the story of Ruth that someone like a Moabite woman who would have been disrespected in that day, a foreigner and a widow, would be welcomed in and find redemption into the people of God. And that very story of redemption of an outsider finding their place in the people of God would be taken even further. And that story and the heart of God of redemption would be knitted in and woven in as Ruth does by the grace of God, give birth to children. She would find herself in the very genealogy that leads to the person of Jesus, which is the greatest display of God's heart for redemption. Titus 3, Paul says it so powerfully. Listen to these words, they are profound. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared. Throughout the story of Ruth, the major theme is Chesed, the kindness of God As we hit the middle point here, the great theme and turning point of the story is the redemption of God. The the redemption of Ruth leads to the lineage of Jesus. Jesus is born and Paul declares, he is the very representation of the chesed and the goodness and the redemption of God. And what we see in the life of Ruth is that God has a heart for redeeming His people and people far off. That He has a heart for foreigners and outcasts and the unworthy. It's written into the very lineage of Jesus. And as Jesus steps into human history, as the kindness of God, as the redemption of God Himself steps into human history, he declares, Jesus declares His heart for redemption in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 so clearly. Come to me, the vulnerable, the weak, the tired, the outcast, the distant. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and I and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is the fullest representation of the chesed and the redemption of God. There was no one who represented more fully the heart of God than Jesus Himself who was God. And so an offer this morning is our Savior, our Redeemer has stepped into human history. And the reality is in this story, it is actually both Boaz and Ruth who play a worthy part in the redemption of Naomi's family. And actually all of us are closer to Naomi than Ruth. We're closer to those who who rebelled against God and chose a different field, a different place. And that's what the Scriptures say of us. The deep restlessness in us is ultimately because we reject God and say, not your field, my field over here. And I will build an identity. I will build security. I will build a name for myself. And our hearts are thrown into turmoil. The restlessness being spoken of here is that incredibly painful place of going, I don't know who I am. I don't feel safe. I don't know if my future is secure. And as humans, we have gotten so good at hiding that restlessness or fighting to alleviate that restlessness ourselves. We dress in certain ways. We post certain things on social media we give ourselves to certain jobs and endeavors. We wake up day in and day out thinking that we're building something when actually all we're doing is running from the restlessness in our soul. And that is why we are tired. Because the things our soul longs for, we can never give it. It is looking for its creator, the one whose image it was made in. It's looking for its place of belonging, which was always meant to be with the Father. It knows that the only safe place in all of creation is with the one who created all things. And it knows that the only certain future is a future that is with the Father. Everything else is fleeting, temporary, and given over to destruction. And we don't always listen to what it is our souls are telling us. And we distract ourselves. And I think Jesus has a huge heart for the restless. And part of his heart would be to say, just stop long enough to listen to the restlessness in your soul and realize that you will never satisfied on your own. You will never satisfied in the field that you're in. And Jesus, as our great redeemer, worthy redeemer steps into human history. And he is worthy because he lives blamelessly before the law. He lives blamelessly before the father and he lives blamelessly before people. And so the only person who, is not, who does not deserve a cross is the only person who is worthy of the cross. And Jesus is made our worthy redeemer by His. He is our worthy redeemer because of His perfect record before the Father, before the Lord, before people, and therefore He can be the spotless Lamb that atones for our sins on a cross and pays the price for our redemption. And so He is willing. I mean, He is able, and He is worthy. Is He willing? And so for tired souls that find themselves in this field, that that is the question, not is he worthy or able. But you look to the person of Jesus and you say, is he willing? And Matthew 8 says this, it's one of the most profound, not profound, not one of the most profound, I say that too often, everything's profound. Um, It is a verse that has personally corrected and helped me deeply in my relationship with Jesus. Many years ago, I remember reading the story about a leper, comes to Jesus and a leper would have been an outcast, he would have lost his family, he would have had no future, his future would have been blighted by his disease. And he has this encounter with Jesus. When he came down the mount from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. The question is not Jesus, are you able, Jesus, are you worthy? The question is Jesus, are you willing? And Jesus, with great compassion, looks at him and says, I am willing, I will be clean. And immediately he is made clean. And so for anyone this morning who is finding themselves tired and is able to admit that maybe the tiredness is coming from working in a field that God has never called you to work in for your identity, security, and future, is to simply come to the person of Jesus and kneel before him and ask him this question, Jesus, are you willing to redeem me? And I know without a doubt that anyone who comes before him like that, he will say, I will. And he will delight to redeem you. He is willing. He is willing. I think for some of us, we may be coming to that moment for the very first time. Jesus, I need your rest, are you willing? He says, come to me, I'm willing. And He will redeem you. And He will take you out of that field and He will adopt you into His family and you will be known and loved and have a place of belonging. You will have an identity as His son and daughter. You will have a future and an inheritance that is sure and you will be secure in Him. That's what's on offer this morning, that's the rest on offer. And for some of us, those of us who have been Christ followers and are Christ followers, this morning comes as an invitation and a reminder to live in that reality. You will go to fields on Monday. And the question is, why are you there? Are you there to try and build an identity, a place of belonging and security for yourself? Or are you there fully in the knowledge of what you already have in Jesus? Are you going to those fields rested or are you going to your fields seeking rest? Because for the Christ follower, we have found rest in Jesus.